Chapter 6, Gastroenterology. Topic 4, Small Intestine. First, we'll discuss carcinoid tumors. Starting with the pathophysiology, carcinoid tumors are essentially serotonin-producing tumors. When these tumors are localized, the disease tends to be asymptomatic. This is because serotonin gets metabolized in the liver, converting it to 5-hydroxyindoleacetic acid, also known as 5-HIAA. It's a different story when the disease becomes metastatic. If the tumor metastasizes, especially to the liver, this allows for the serotonin to bypass the liver's metabolism and subsequently enter the systemic circulation. So what happens when serotonin enters the systemic circulation? This leads to the signs and symptoms that are typically seen only in metastatic disease. Patients might present with episodic flushing, which is a distinctive feature of this disease. Additionally, they might experience wheezing and diarrhea. A closer look might also reveal the presence of telangiectasias. Cardiac involvement is another significant manifestation. Tricuspid regurgitation or stenosis can develop because the monamine oxidase enzyme present in the pulmonary circulation metabolizes serotonin, thus preventing left-sided valvular involvement. Moreover, due to the excessive serotonin secretion, there's a diversion of tryptophan from its usual pathway, leading to a niacin, vitamin B3, deficiency. This deficiency can result in pellagra, which is characterized by the three Ds, diarrhea, dementia, and dermatitis. Moving on to the diagnostic modalities for carcinoid tumors, one of the primary tests involves checking the 24-hour urine levels of 5-HIAA. Elevated levels are a good indicator of the disease. Imaging plays a crucial role as well. A CT or MRI scan of the abdomen and pelvis can help in staging, with liver metastases being the most common. Positron emission tomography imaging with radio-labeled somatostatin analogs can also be utilized. Furthermore, endoscopy combined with biopsy remains a gold standard in confirming the diagnosis. Finally, let's discuss the management strategies. For localized disease, if the tumor is less than 2 centimeters, observation is generally recommended. However, if the tumor is larger than 2 centimeters, surgical resection becomes necessary. It's worth noting that if the tumor is located in the ileum, there is a lower threshold for surgery due to a higher risk of malignancy. Interestingly, the most common location for carcinoid tumors is the appendix. In cases of metastatic disease, somatostatin analogs such as octreotide and lanreotide are the preferred treatment options. Next, we'll compare celiac disease and tropical sprue. Both disorders affect the small intestine, but they have different causes clinical features, and management strategies. Let's start by comparing the signs and symptoms of both conditions. Celiac disease presents predominantly with chronic diarrhea and weight loss. Iron deficiency, anemia, and deficiencies in fat-soluble vitamins are frequently seen. A distinguishing feature of celiac disease is dermatitis herpetiformis. These are subepidermal microabscesses located at the tip of the dermal papillae, often observed on extensor surfaces, notably on the elbows, knees, and buttocks. In tropical sprue, the symptoms align closely with those of celiac, but the nuances in presentation and progression can help in differentiation. For diagnostics in celiac disease, a diagnostic clue is the deoxylose test, wherein affected individuals will demonstrate lower urinary and venous deoxylose levels. Some patients may present with elevated transaminases, arthritis, or neurological symptoms, though these are less common. Serological tests such as immunoglobulin, 
a anti-endomasial and immunoglobulin A anti-transglutaminase antibodies are crucial. It's imperative to note that serology might be falsely negative in those with immunoglobulin A deficiency. In such scenarios, it is advised to check for immunoglobulin G. The gold standard for diagnosis remains EGD with biopsy, showing atrophy and effacement of the small intestinal villi. Tropical sprue is best diagnosed by EGD with biopsy. This condition typically reveals blunted villi, coupled with an increased presence of inflammatory cells in the lamina propria. Management of celiac disease is via a strict gluten-free diet, which is the cornerstone of management. For individuals exhibiting dermatitis herpetiformis, Dapsone is beneficial. For tropical sprue, treatment primarily involves the administration of tetracycline in combination with folic acid. This regimen typically extends for a period of three to six months. Long-standing celiac disease can be complicated by the development of T-cell lymphoma. We'll now discuss lactose intolerance. Lactose intolerance is predominantly seen in specific ethnic groups, including Africans, Asian Americans, Latin Americans, and Native Americans. It holds the distinction of being the most common cause of diarrhea in these populations. There are primarily two types of lactose intolerance. Primary lactose intolerance. This is a result of a deficiency in the lactase enzyme along the intestinal brush border. Intriguingly, the concentration of this enzyme tends to decline steadily with age, making older individuals more susceptible. Secondary lactose intolerance. This type emerges post-infectious gastroenteritis, which leads to the destruction of the intestinal brush border. Consequently, there's a temporary intolerance to lactose until the intestinal villi and lactase enzyme regenerate. Symptoms of lactose intolerance typically manifest after the consumption of lactose-containing products. These include abdominal discomfort or cramping, bloating, watery diarrhea, flatulence, it's essential to recognize that lactose intolerance doesn't lead to systemic symptoms or produce lab abnormalities, a fact that can assist in differentiating it from other disorders. Several avenues can lead to a diagnosis. Often, a clinical diagnosis is made based on the patient's history and the correlation of symptoms with lactose consumption. The lactose hydrogen breath test is another diagnostic tool, wherein increased hydrogen levels are observed post-lactose ingestion. In a seemingly healthy patient presenting with diarrhea, an elevated stool osmolar gap can point towards lactose intolerance. Management primarily revolves around dietary modifications. The foremost recommendation is the avoidance of lactose-containing foods, such as milk, ice cream, and cheese. For those who wish to consume lactose or are inadvertently exposed, taking lactase supplements before lactose ingestion can be beneficial. Lastly, we'll review Whipple disease. Whipple disease is a rare systemic illness affecting several body systems. Whipple disease predominantly affects white males, especially those between the ages of 40 to 60. The causative agent behind Whipple disease is an organism named Trophorema whippoli. This pathogen is identified as a non-acid fast gram-positive bacillus. The clinical presentation of Whipple disease can be diverse, affecting various systems. Digestive symptoms include chronic diarrhea, steatorrhea, bloating, and weight loss. Systemic manifestations might encompass fever and lymphadenopathy. Cardiac involvement could lead to congestive heart failure and valvular regurgitation. A notable symptom in some patients is migratory arthralgias, where pain moves from one joint to another. Neurological and visual manifestations range from dementia, seizures, 
to supranuclear ophthalmoplegia. A diagnosis of Whipple disease often involves the following. Biopsy is paramount, where periodic acid shift positive foamy macrophages can be spotted in the lamina propria of the small intestine, indicative of the disease. In cases where neurological involvement is suspected, a polymerase chain reaction of the cerebrospinal fluid can be beneficial. Once diagnosed, the management of Whipple disease is quite streamlined. The mainstay of treatment is long-term antibiotics. Initially, intravenous ceftriaxone is administered. This is then followed by oral trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole therapy, which is continued for about 12 months.